right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. Welcome to Down the Garden Path and our ninth season of Down the Garden Path. Odd sound there. (laughs) Where each week we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host and co-author, Matthew Dressing. Hello, Matt. Hello, Joanne, and hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance. We want to help you make it happen. That's right. And if you're not lucky enough to be living somewhere tropical, midwinter has you in its grasp. And you might be wondering what you can be doing in your garden. Although there's not much to do outside, there are several activities you can work on inside to get ready for a new growing season. So, what (laughs) activities are you working on right now? Or what are you looking forward to this garden growing season? Write us at downthegardenpathpodcast at hotmail.com. That's right. So if you have tuned in or you're a longtime listener, we're bringing back by somewhat popular demand by the numbers, our In the Garden series. So tonight we're kicking it off with February In the Garden. So everything that we can be doing now to plan and get ready for the upcoming season. Because like Joanne said, as long as there's not much we're doing outside, There's lots that we can start and get ready for inside. So we'll go through our February in the garden. It's actually the first time we've ever done February in the garden. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, And surprisingly, there are several things that we can start doing. So it's kind of good that we're adding it, isn't it? That's Um, right. Yeah. So I know it's at the bottom of our list, but I think, you know, I wonder if anybody has um, Christmas plants. Right. That's like, you know, as far as um, not necessarily in in preparation for the growing season, but, you know, I know I've got a poinsettia. I've got some amaryllis bulbs that are all at various stages of uh, of uh, blooming and finished blooming. How about you? Yeah, same. Not that it's at the bottom of our list because it's the least important. Um, But yeah, maintaining those Christmas plants. It's now February, about to be February. Uh, And, you know, ours are all still going strong. I have uh, a couple Chris, or sorry, let's be technical, Thanksgiving cactus uh, that are growing nicely, that are nice and flowering. So it's nice to kind of keep them growing, making sure they're not out in full sun. I've got a few new flower buds coming. So we want to make sure that we're maintaining and caring for all of our different Christmas plants. So yeah, I've got a couple Thanksgiving cactus for me that bloom around uh, this year. I've also got one of the new poinsettias. And I'm going to totally forget what the name is because I probably took the tag off. But it's one of the new yellow flowering or gold flowering uh, poinsettias. Really? It was a brand new, I think, this year to the retail. And I think it hit the market or the greenhouse growers a couple of years ago. 
Uh, but yeah, it's a beautiful, rich gold color, which is kind of unusual. And my Thanksgiving cactus are the same thing. I love the the Samba series or the, the nice rich gold with a little bit of peach on them. So even though they are, it is long past their time. Remember, they're still plants. Uh, if you have them, we want to keep them evenly watered. Uh, depending on who you've got, we don't want them to dry out. Don't forget your Christmas and Thanksgiving cacti are forest cactuses. They're not desert cactuses, so they are native to South America, and they like that tropical, moist, evenly moist compost and that partial to full shade. So a bright indirect light doesn't need to be in the window uh, to keep them growing or else they start to turn purple and get heat stressed and, and dry out, and they don't really perform as nicely. Your poinsettias as well. Poinsettias mm -hmm. are a plant that are going to take a break they are going to have a winter dormancy period in between growths. They need a break out in the garden. So don't be too scared if yours loses a bunch of leaves just down to the bracts, or it seems to really not be doing anything, slows its watering. That is it's taking its you know, winter break or its you know lower cool season or lower light season here in our, right. our area. It's break. Right now, or as Christmas hits, that's when they're blooming out in that spring to mid-spring, out in people's front yards, up the mountains uh, in South America. So for us, it's we've still got to wait a little bit of time. But yeah, so don't forget to just take care of those extra little plants. If you've got, for example, your amaryllis, yours might just be flowering because maybe we planted it a little late. Mm -hmm. You like to plant it or put it in soil, usually around the beginning of November, November 1st to November 10th or 12th to get her to bloom or right around Christmas. But if they're blooming, yeah, Joanne is showing me a picture of hers in there in a white pot and she's just coming up when it looks like about four or five inches there. Mm -hmm. yeah, so they'll still do their thing. Make sure you keep them evenly watered, give them enough light, let them kind of be active again and, and get growing for sure. If they've already spent their flowers, remember you can keep them inside. The amaryllis don't need a dormancy period like the poinsettias. So what you can do is just cut the flowers off and then treat okay. the foliage like an indoor house plant. And they're going to prefer somewhat of a partial shade to a very bright indirect light. So okay. you don't have to put them out in the sun. You can put them out part sun out in the summer or in the spring, once we get 16 or 18 degrees during the day and night, and let it grow on and fatten up that way as well, and get some good food to build a flower for next year. Okay. But do you have, because I want to uh, give a shout out to Gloria. So she requested that we chatted a little bit about uh, amaryllis on the show. So hope you're listening, Gloria. So do they need to go outside, Matt, or can we keep them, like, go transition them from the window and then... Um, you said we don't, they don't need a dormancy, but don't we put them in a, like a cooler, darker place or no? You can, yeah, you can have them slow down or if you would like them to not be as actively growing, uh, they can just kind of stay evergreen. I know I've had them in the past where mine have shut down and I think mm. that's more just environmental. I had it in too low of a light okay. and she just kind of said, okay, I'm good for a while. Walked away for a couple of months, went to sleep. And then I just increased the light again around November took her yeah. out of that cooler, darker spot and, and popped out again. So yeah, okay. you can have them go dormant and they'll come back up again. Um, but if they don't really necessarily, they don't necessarily need it to make sure that they flower or continue. Oh, okay. They just want to okay. make sure that they get enough food and light during the in-between season. So right. That they can right. Stitch next year's bulb. Yeah. Or next okay. year's flower. 
Yeah. Should we fertilize them? I know I had a friend who said she puts, um, she's had lots of success re-blooming hers and she used um, worm castings. Yeah. Worm castings are amazing. Worms basically eat silver and poop out pure gold and diamonds yeah. <laughs> and all the nutrients and stuff. Um, yeah, you can definitely give them a nice light feed. I like to use some organic things, some kelp-based fertilizers or, you know, the okay. classic musky fertilizer. Uh, but when they're fattening up or in there in that vegetative state, just making sure they do get a little bit of that phosphorus in there. If you're using a synthetic, uh, make sure you have some phosphorus in your organics, which usually you do because that's usually what they'll use that and some potassium to really okay. start building that flower. Yeah. Okay. So make sure you have the three, something in all three numbers, like 20, 20, 20 or 15, 15, 15. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Okay. I also like to use the organic based um, nutrite. So it's a little bit more of, it looks like a synthetic prill, uh, but it is organic based. So as a prill, I just mean like the granular Oh, okay. kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's like a six, I think it's six, nine, 12. So it really kind of boosts the resistances, gives them some fatness and gives them some phosphorus, but gives them a little bit of nitrogen as well to keep okay. growing. Yeah. Because yeah. they definitely take a while. So the one I just showed you, and you're right, it's about five inches, but I brought that out. That was the ones I found. Remember I said, I, I'm sure I saved them, but I just couldn't oh, find yeah. which cupboard I put them in. Isn't that sad? But anyway, and so it's been out since before Christmas, but it, it just has sat there. It has not done anything. And then poof, it's like, then, then that's a cool thing about amaryllis is like, it doesn't seem like they're doing anything. And then I feel like they grow right as you're watching it, you know, like, um, it just, it, oh, you know, yeah. it's, it's, I'm sure it was shorter this morning compared to how it is now, you know, so it is quite incredible how tall they can get and how quickly they can fill out. So, uh, so yeah. yeah, and I've got a couple that have finished flowering and I've cut off the bloom and I'm hoping um, to get a second bloom. So uh, we'll wait and see. So yeah, um, so it is they are easy to um, easy ish to um, save for the following year. And if you do have room in your garden, and you want to put them in the garden, right in partial shade. Um, I think it's just easier to keep them inside with for me personally. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, 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 so they're beautiful. Beautiful long strap, like dark green foliage. So they're very neat, and they have a nice texture and they would be nice against uh, or with a grouping of other plants for sure to keep inside mm -hmm. all year round. Yeah. So what yeah. else are we doing? Have you started growing or purchasing any seeds yet? I have not. It is on my list. Um, I do have some leftover from last year. I know I spoke a bit about it on the show uh, last last week about wanting to do some winter sowing with uh, my onion seeds. And I have not had time to do that yet. But it is I was hoping I was determined I was going to do it before we started our show tonight at seven. But uh, I didn't <laughs> get there. I didn't get there. Things ran late uh, today. So, uh, so yeah, so I did not get there. But uh, yeah, so how about you? Have you started anything? I haven't sown anything just yet. Uh, but I've been gathering my seeds from last year. Um, okay. I wanted to start out some of my Ecuadorian striped peanuts again. Um, I didn't grow any last year, but I still have some peanuts that are viable this year. So I want to make sure that I can get some of those in the ground because my supplier doesn't carry them anymore. So I need to make some more for myself. Um, and then I, yeah, I did, or I ordered some micro dwarf tomatoes uh, and some cherry tomatoes last, last night, actually. Oh, and okay. 
Yeah. And I actually have uh, some things arriving later th- or during the show, probably Ooh. Um, ready to go. So very yeah. cool. So, lots of different things. I'm going to start really looking at growing indoors and some more of that food sustainability, like Ashley Thomas, mm-hmm. we were talking before the Christmas break, how easy it is to kind of just take, start to take little bits of control of that food security. So yeah, yeah. I'm looking to be a lot more veggies than flowers this year and see what I can grow. Yeah. How about you? Do you have any plans specifically for what you're going to grow or? Yeah, not yet. You know what? I'm, I, I did get some great um, cherry tomato seeds from Julia Demacos uh, last year and the yellow, I forget what they were called, but they were golden and they were pear shaped and they were amazing. Um, but I really think I want, and again, I'm going to get this wrong, but I don't, I think I, I think the dwarf, what you were talking about, because I, you know, I spent so much effort having to control the size and to keep staking them and staking them. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's, I don't have the best amount of space for that. Um, so I think I really want to find um, some of the smaller varieties that I can go back to um, in a pot or even if they're in the ground, but they won't require so much staking. So, um, so yeah, so that's what I want to uh, look for. Because, so mi- yeah, what would they be called? determinate varieties. Determinate, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, some determinate varieties. Yeah, the indeterminate ones are the ones that just keep flowering and growing and flowering mm-hmm. and growing. And then you determine it, get to a certain size, bloom and fruit all at once. So there's a determined yeah set kind of thing yeah and so for those of you who don't know the micro dwarfs are determinate or semi-determinate and they will grow in a six inch or a one gallon nursery container or just a six inch pot they usually will only grow from you know nine or eight or nine inches or 12 inches tall and wide so they're perfect for a little patio or you know two or three in a window box or just somewhere in a little spot in the garden to tuck in and they are beautiful little cherries that produce uh, all season or different points in the season. Yeah. So yeah. I have some of those growing. So do they, you know, you say that they all bloom or they provide fruit all at once, but then do they do it again? Like, is there a second flush like rose bushes? <laughs> no. Or, yeah. The determinants yeah. will just kind of do it and then stop. Yeah. Ah, so you that could is grow... the dilemma, right? That is the dilemma then. I guess is that why people like the indeterminate? Because they keep getting it. That's why I like it, because I can just have an eight foot cherry that grow or grows eight foot and just right at about yeah. two feet just drop me tomatoes all season long. Yeah. If you wanted to do the micros, you could just stagger your seeding time, right? Because mm-hmm. it'll take X days to get to determination. Yeah. So if you staged it out, maybe did four plantings, one every week. You could have a certain period over four weeks where you get those favorite determinate tomatoes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, so I may still do one, but um, I'm sure I'm going to have um, baby plants come up just from the garden. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Some of the seeds that made it over winter. For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. So now, if you haven't started yet, now is a great time to start looking for uh, seeds in your local garden centers, your independent garden centers. I've even seen some of the grocery stores near me start to carry mm-hmm. some of the classic independent garden center seed lines. So things like Fothergill's, McKenzie's, Ontario Seed Company, they're all starting to show up as well. So take a look for some local seeds. If you haven't already, maybe you already have received some, but don't forget your seed catalogs mm-hmm. as well. 
to yeah. take a look. And if I can take a moment to plug my favorite seed catalog. Ooh, what is your favorite seed yeah. catalog? Look Ooh, how, it's a thick one. Oh my gosh, that's really thick. It is an inch thick. It is, uh, let me just take a look here, 500 and at least 26 pages long. And it is by Baker Creek Seeds, the whole seed catalog from 2023. Oh, so you wow. can still order this, rareseeds.com, shout out to them. But they carry lots of heirloom uh, flowers and vegetables from all over the world. So you can get everything from radishes and quinoa to unique peppers and basil oh, and coleus. Neat. It's fabulous. Every year there's just too many more seeds to, to so, be buying. Yeah. So, so where are they based? Where are they based? They are, I believe, and I might say this wrong, but I believe they're in uh, Missouri. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, my listeners from the United States, MO is the state abbreviation. That, Missouri, yeah. Is that Missouri? Okay, I yeah. thought it was. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's Bakersfield, Missouri is technically okay. where they are. Baker mm -hmm. or Mansfield, Mansfield, Missouri. So yes. take a look at them, rareseeds.com. You can order online. They do ship to Canada, obviously. Uh, and they have some beautiful, beautiful, uh, rare, interesting material to take Excellent. a look for. Yeah. I uh, shout out too to the local. So we're, depending whether you are in the US or Canada, there's often uh, like local smaller um, people that uh, seed companies um, that are just getting going and, and that type of thing. So those are also really good ones to support. Um, you know, even Julia, she saves her seeds. Say. Yeah. And so you can check out, um, if you haven't seen some of our many shows with Julia DeMacos, uh, the gardening girl, she has a shop on her website and she see, and, and which is kind of cool because she grows those, you know, she's, she's saving the seeds from the best of the best of what she grows. And that's probably the case with all the small seed companies. So that's sometimes nice. I know there's a lot of big companies and, uh, but uh, sometimes it's nice to just find somebody local, right? I agree. And as I, as you say that, I also think of uh, Emma Biggs. Mm, um, yeah. Right? Food Garden Life podcast or show. Uh, she grows, has grown over 200 varieties of tomatoes and like julia she'll often offer up her seeds of the best of the best that she has uh, for sale as well so uh, emma bigs.ca is her website there you can i don't think she's selling them just yet i think it was, it was on there last thursday or friday so i think her 2022 seeds are just about to become available okay uh, but she's in toronto as well so yeah check out the local guy check out your local growers your you know food farmers or just those independent uh, people as well. Speaking of some individuals, we have quite a few questions that we are uh, ah. popping in. Um, we have Frank who's written in as well, or to start to kick it off with a little congrats. Hello, Joanne and Matt. Wow. Did you say nine years or eight? I've been listening to you for that long. Congrats. So thank you, Frank. Joanne did say nine. <laughs> it yes. is our ninth season. Nine seasons, episode two. Exactly. Uh, we also have Brian who's written in uh, about pumpkins. I want to grow that great pumpkin this year for my kids. Too early to start the seeds indoors. Thank you. P.S. Uh, if I do, what is the best way to transplant outdoors and when would be a good time? I live here in Toronto. Thank you very much for your answer. 
Yeah. Uh, usually I see them starting to be planted in about March, mid-March uh, indoors. You can start them earlier as well, just to kind of get to that pumpkin phase, but then you have to deal with a larger plant uh, indoors, which can become somewhat unruly. Mm-hmm. Um, I would take a look, though, Brian, at the exact great pumpkin, as you have in quotes. I think of uh, Charlie Brown, that great pumpkin. We'll see which variety you want to take or, or grow specifically. And on the seed package, they'll have that specific date or number of weeks indoors to start before putting it outside. And that's the optimal time mm-hmm. uh, as well. But it's just a quick recall off the top of my head. It is mid-March. And then again, planting outdoors. Yeah, just like you would transplant or plant any other uh, annual perennial tree or shrub, planting it just as deep as the uh, pot is wide, just twice as wide, give it some good soil. If you're planting it in the veggie garden, you've probably already prepared the soil, etc. And then I know that the melons and the pumpkins or the gourds, they like a little bit of a, a hill to roll down. So they'll benefit if you have a little bit of a mound where you plant it. And you don't need it like a huge drop, but just like a nice slight grade of a couple percent uh, out to the edges and they'll, they'll enjoy that as well. So yeah, okay. making sure that it's transplant time you don't want to have any frost here in toronto so for us it's the may 2-4 weekend or around june 1st depending on how the the spring comes in for us and then you're probably good to go just Mm -hmm. watch as well and we can maybe talk about it as we get closer for that powdery mildew on those leaves so make sure you're watering just the base remember where you you put that in there brian and (laughs) nice and healthy for that's right that's right we do want I, i do want to say that you think it's um, if you're super keen and you want to like plant earlier than what the seed package says, um, it's not like I would say for someone who's tried it and done it, and I'm I'm certainly still learning at growing by seed myself. But that makes it trickier because, like Matt said, you're dealing with a bigger plant. And, you know, controlling whether it gets leggy, whether it gets mildew because it's now too big and and um, before you can start hardening it off outside. So um, so really, they do know what they're talking about when they say um, when to do it. Now, I know some plants like tomatoes that you can um, if it's gotten leggy, then you can plant it. Some people like that because then they plant them much deeper. Right. So they are stronger and and things like that. But for the most part. You know, don't be too excited because and, and every year on those Facebook groups, you know, I see people who've started their tomato seeds in January, which was really early or February, yeah. really, really <laughs> early. And then they all die before they get them outside. So I do want to say I speak from experience that, you know, earlier isn't necessarily better unless you're really set up to to deal with all of the potential things that could go wrong. Um, so I do really suggest that you. Um, and even I think starting later is probably easier, right? Because then as soon as they're ready to go outside, you can put them outside. You don't even have to worry about hardening. So, um, you know, yeah. or you may not, you know, depending. So, yeah. So that's just my tip is is really um, try to stick as close to um, the time on the package. Yeah, exactly. They, like you said, they've tested it forever and they know really that, that best yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Out for sure, for sure. Yeah, and like we said, there you can there's scenes you can start this early, like onions and lavender. There's some ones that have that longer season, and that's great. Um, but if so, that's the important part. So things like pumpkin, because they they get going pretty quick once they get going, even yeah. though you know it, it needs a lot outside. 
Um, so yeah, so we often get we we keep saying we need to do a whole show on just pumpkins because we often get a lot of questions about uh, we just haven't found anybody who's a pumpkin expert. So if you know somebody, we would love to talk to them. Yes, uh, about please. Growing pumpkins because uh, it is uh, a popular topic for sure. Whether you're growing like the little cool white ones or whether you are trying to grow a giant one, uh, I think it's cool too. We'd love to speak to somebody. Yeah, exactly. They're just so much fun, like Brian said, for the kids. And there's so many great. I love pumpkins for sure. I have fresh pumpkins every year for pumpkin everything baked. <laughs> I know. I know you just need the space, right? So neither you or I have the space no. to be able to do it, you know? So that's the challenge, right? That's right. So, uh, so yeah. Unless we just like randomly go to a friend's house and say, can we just try growing this? And, you know, and, and then, it eats, <laughs> then it eats their yard, you know? That's right. Uh, my sister's got some uh, some space at her place out east, uh, oh, and yeah. my like Belleville Kingston area. Maybe I'll uh, rent a bed from her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I did have luck with the melon. Uh, so there's a small, I think it's sugar baby that Julia recommended, um, oh. and I grew it. So even though I don't have a ton of space, they are. It is a small melon, so it would be like an equivalent of a small pumpkin. Yeah. But I did, I did plant it. We did grow it. My son and I, we did grow it up a chain. So it did climb the chain, and then it was hanging there. And we did create a little hammock as it got bigger and stuff like that. So I'm not sure if I, I I can't see why you couldn't do that with a pumpkin, but I think you would need like a lot of chains. That's all. <laughs> yeah. A little bit, a little bit more vigorous. Um, and, and probably only if you're doing a, a smaller pumpkin, like some of the smaller d decorative ones. So. Yeah. yeah, that would be fun to try. Um, so yeah, so you've not missed. So even though we started talking about starting seeds, you have not missed the boat. Nope. Um, you've got the whole month of February and March and even April. Um, it really just depends on what you want to grow. So like Matt said, is now's the time to look at your seed catalogs to think about what you planted last year, what worked, what didn't work, or reading up what other people um, were really successful with and what they're recommending. Um, yeah, agreed. And mm -hmm. if you're somewhere nice where it's North Carolina, for example, mm -hmm. uh, and like Ashley, yeah, exactly. Ashley's garden must be already well underway. Uh, we're very jealous of you down there buying perennials and fruiting plants and getting everything already going. So, most certainly, as we approach the very end, I'm going to go a minute early here uh, before we jump into our next topic. But uh, thank you just everybody for joining us here on Reality Radio 101. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host and co-author, Joanne Shaw, and you're listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the guests that join us here on the show. So don't forget you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram and uh, Facebook at down the garden path podcast is our handle there. And don't forget you can find all on your favorite podcast providers, lots of past episodes packed with information. And while you're there, don't forget to hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. We love hearing from you. And you can always write us at downthegardenpathpodcast at hotmail.com. But yeah, don't forget to continue the conversation with us. If you have pictures or other ideas, uh, join our Facebook group 
and uh, we can continue the discussion there. And uh, we're on there regularly and sharing photos and you can share photos and we can catch up with you there. Don't forget mm -hmm. as well, you can find Joanne at www.down2earth.ca, myself at naturalaffinity.ca. So we have these seeds uh, that we are growing and that we are starting, um, but we might need something else, something like some grow lights uh, ah. indoors as well to get our seeds germinating and growing or just keep them active and keep our houseplants going. So don't forget, you can start setting up some grow lights if you already haven't. Um, that's the actual the thing that I have. I think it made it sound like I had seeds coming tonight. I think they're they're actually coming tomorrow. I have more grow lights still arriving from Amazon Ooh. this evening uh, that I'm looking forward to to set up some things. So yeah, so set up those grow lights. Make sure that you've got a nice full spectrum or if uh, you need a little bit of extra uh, UV or infrared light, uh, that's what I have coming. I need a little bit more blue and red to make sure that my plants have those coloring a little bit for some of that germination to get some of my seeds growing. So don't forget you can start setting up your grow lights and it doesn't have to be a big elaborate greenhouse level system as well there are lots mm -hmm. of portable smaller individual pot lights uh very small bars that are very plug and play that will zip tie or attach to different things or under shelves so there's lots of different ways that you can have your uh grow lights basically for starting seeds or if maybe you have for example a basement apartment or a dark area of the house that you want to add a little bit more light to you can do something as easy as change your light bulb on your lamp fixture into something that is full spectrum to give you the reds the blues and some more white kind of mimic that sunlight as mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. so yeah go ahead yeah and then there's also some of the systems if you don't want anything that elaborate but you want something that you can use um you know all year long is there some of the more hydroponic systems like the little click and grow or the arrow garden, um, right? That you, the, you yeah. know, you can probably three plants. They're great for herbs. Uh, it's a really good way to grow herbs or some lettuce. And you pre, you know, they come, you buy the seeds, you know, that come in the pot already and the pot fits in the hole. So it's kind of like a complete little kit. And they don't take up a lot of space and you set the timer so it comes with the light built in. So it gives you that little container. I'd love to hear from a listener who has one that they love. Um, I'm trying to figure out which one we have. Um, and I think it is a smart garden that we have. Um, like the light is on a wand and it gets to, like right now when they're they're just starting out. We start my son started a few months ago, uh, a few weeks ago, actually. Um, and so the light is really close. And then you as they get bigger, you kind of raise the light a little bit. Um, so, um, and there, the lights can be on a timer as well. So we've got it, you know, set. So it, uh, is on a timer. Um, so they are, they're a handy little thing and you can do that year round. That's right. Yeah. I have, I think it's the arrow garden too. So it's just a little okay. pod. It like Joanne said, there's just three little spots for some hydroponic grow, um, grow plugs there and it has a little bit of a, a bubbler in there to get some oxygen into the water but it takes up a footprint of a square foot 
And yeah. it's a beautiful light. It's adjustable. And I can have greens or veggies or whatever I want, really, growing mm-hmm. all year round. I'm waiting for some of my micro dwarf tomatoes. I'm going to try putting. Are you? Okay. Yeah, because it'll be for the variety I got is only about nine inches. Okay. So just underneath by about three inches the height. So I'm going to try that. But yeah, I have, I think, some different just uh, spring green mixes in mind, some muscling greens that I okay. just cut off for whatever. Yeah. 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 Easy, nice little footprint. Great for things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And there's, I mean, certainly you can do a bigger setup, but I just want everybody to know that you can, if you are in an apartment, like you said, you can do a smaller, um, smaller thing like those kits. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. The other thing you could be doing too, or continuing to do if you haven't uh, jumped in there, keeping things food fresh, especially under today's crazy prices of food and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, is growing some sprouts um, from oh, salads. Yeah, they're super easy. Uh, I just have a little kind of jar. You can usually get little kits with mason jars and you can get different peas and mung beans and different beans and things like that. And you basically keep them moist. Keep them out of full sun. You don't need them to have light. And they're just going to sprout. They will sprout over three to four days, depending on which one you've got. And you've always got uh, a nice little thing of fresh sprouts to add to a salad or into a stir fry or some rice or something like that. Really easy to do. You just kind of water them, swish them around, empty them out. They absorb that water. And uh, you keep growing things fresh. And they're nice and nutrient dense too, much mm-hmm. like microgreens, right? They're so mm-hmm. really packed still with all that food they're looking to use to grow the plant. So a great, another little easy to do. I have a little jar that is maybe four by four inches. It takes mm-hmm. up a little room and I have fresh food every day or oh, some fresh stuff cool. every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's great. It's something that you can do in the, in January, February, like we're talking about, it'd be cool for kids too. something like sunflower seeds, um, because those make great sprouts and they're quite tasty. And so for the kids that are familiar with sunflower seeds and then for them to have that experience and that like responsibility of of batting the water and then rinsing them out, usually the lid has like a like a strainer, right? So you fill it with water and then you strain it out and then just the moisture that stays with the seeds. So it's something like you would do that for like five days in a row and then they start to sprout. So I think that's a really, it's a a handy thing for anybody of any age, but I always like, just like Amaryllis, I think they just make such a great gift for children to, to watch them grow. And same with, uh, with uh, children to grow seeds or sprouts, you know, to have, have them see what happens and that they can eat that. And uh, I think that's a really great thing, but it also, if you're dying, you know, missing being outside, it's just one little thing that you can do fairly inexpensively. And, um, and again, it's food because to buy those sprouts, right? You go oh, to yeah. any of the organic grocery stores or vegetable places that can carry them. They are quite expensive. So, uh, you know, for the, for a mason jar and the price of that lid, lid uh, it's a piece of cake. Yeah. Really. It's a, like $10 or less startup. And then the yeah. seeds, including some seeds, like you're um, off. Yeah. For those little kits, for sure. Well, if we needed to maybe get out of our house during our uh, time in our February, we can always visit our local garden centers and greenhouses to get a small hit of some plants. But there's a lot of other things and activities that are heading out or, or activities that are out and about that you can head out 
For example, you could always hit up your local garden club, attend something like a Mm -hmm. local seedy Saturday. Garden clubs are also enthusiasts, are filled with enthusiasts that like Julia and Emma and ourselves are saving seeds and always planting and growing and sharing new things. So you can always visit some of your or sign up for a local garden club. If there's no one, none in your area, there are a lot of resources that are out there. I think on the show on the past, we've mentioned places like Landscape Ontario or uh, the Canadian Nursery Landscape Association. Not only do they have links to these clubs uh, and other places and events going on, but they've also got a lot of their own courses and uh, other information happening too. So you could get out and take a gardening course or a plant ID course or a financial course. There's lots of different land <clears throat> resources. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, and- I, I can give a shout out to the, if you're in Ontario, you can check out the website gardenontario.org. Mm-hmm. And that will list all, um, like, there's so many communities that have a garden club and you may not know it. Um, so they, most of them will have meetings in the winter. Some may not. Um, but like Matt said, they might have other activities like a CD Saturday. I know um, my Pickering Garden Club does have meetings. We're actually meeting virtually uh, in January, February, March. More for the weather, um, not really for COVID, yeah. but more for the weather. Because we've had so many times in the past where, um, <laughs> you know, we've had a really good speaker and then it snows or there's a threat of snow or a threat of ice. And, you know, so um, and you know six people show up for the poor speaker so we decided to keep it virtual um since everybody's uh, gotten used to that now um so some of the clubs might be doing that as well um so yeah so lots going on and lots to learn from uh speakers that uh and and meet new other gardeners also at uh so shout out to the garden clubs i'm sure i know even in the u.s they're all and 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 even all the small communities if you don't think you have one you probably do so um so yeah yeah shout out to uh and for like 20 dollar like membership and what you get you get a discount on on at the local nurseries it's a no-brainer because you know normally to see some of the speakers it'd be twenty dollars per speaker so you're getting yeah. to see oh eight or nine speakers for the year um for a nominal you know 15 to 20 dollar membership so uh so they're definitely worth it uh to check it out that's right one of the things that I can think, or I always think of about this time of year is the Toronto Botanic Gardens Orchid Show mm. and uh, sale coming up on, I think it's February 11th and, and 12th. 12th. That's right, yes. Saturday and the Sunday. Uh, so general admission, $10. But I mean, these kind of events, they go all out. The Orchid Display Room is absolutely stunning and absolutely inspiring go it's a nice day for a quick walk and then you can buy a lot of the stuff that is there as well or a lot of the products and and some starter plants as well Mm -hmm. but unusual varieties too so I think you know the um the ones on the names that's gone right out of my head the ones that are like the phalaenopsis the Phalaenopsis is ones we see everywhere, yes. um, but the Orchid Show, it gives you an opportunity. I attended a few years ago and uh, really get some new and unique ones. And you can speak to the grower and and find out information on, on the best care right there because they know these are their babies, right? They know what they're talking about. So um, so it's really a really unique experience and it, it is a great day. Um, and it's two days. 
And uh, so, yeah, definitely, if you're in the Toronto area, definitely highly recommend uh, the Orchid Show. And we did a show a couple, right? We interviewed um, one of the coordinators several years ago. So you can find that on, uh, if you want to know more details, um, you can find that on our past show list. That's right. And we'll throw it in the show notes as well for a Mm. quick link uh, on your favorite podcast providers. Yeah, go. It's a great day. Take a look. Walk around. They love uh, sharing all of that information as well with you. Um, what else might we be doing in our February garden? Oh, well, what were I, you going to say? I'm going to say, gar- like, gar- so in addition to the garden clubs, but there's also lots of opportunity for um, gardening courses. Like you mentioned, you know, Landscape oh, Ontario yeah. offers some gardening courses. Um, the Great Grow Along, I was just going to oh, look yes. for that, is uh, also, uh, if you Google grow, uh, Great Grow Along, yep, is a virtual garden festival, and it's free. It's a free 10-day, uh, cool. March, March 10th to 19th. So you can register, and then, uh, yeah, so that is a really cool um program that has been going on for the last couple of years and they're still holding it again so it's a great way to hear a lot of speakers but if there's something you want to learn more about um like this one's free some of the the um i know landscape ontario did some like lunch and learns you know where which were you know nominal fee to attend but if you wanted to learn something like more on native plants or more on growing fruit something a little bit more specific and the cool thing is so many so many courses are virtual now so you can take a course with the new york botanical gardens and um you know or with a, a garden club in california it doesn't matter where you are you can uh, you can gain your knowledge and and uh, and learn learn right in the comfort of your own home. That's right. So, do you do you know who or what is kind of what are we going to learn at this year's Great Grow Along? Like oh, kind of speakers okay. or where? Yeah, when it is. It is uh, well. It's the tenth to the nineteenth of March. Um, it looks like uh, small space Saturday. So big tips for tiny spaces from balconies to beds on Saturday. Um, they are going to look at good morning garden tours. So grab a hot cup of tea and greet the day while enjoying inspirational look at public and botanic gardens across the U S and Canada. Um, thanks to our partners at the American public garden association for showcasing these beautiful spaces. Uh, so yeah. And then garden, our friends at garden gate magazine, they, uh, connected with Ryan McKechnie from first edition shrubs and trees are taking us through, um, a home, beautiful home garden each morning of the great grow along. So lots of really good things. Ashley's going to be there. She's fundamentals of small space gardening. Um, so Ashley Thomas, who we had on in the fall and, uh, lose the lawn, grow food instead. Uh, let's see trellising tips and tricks tiny and wild build a small scale meadow veggies for small spaces so how's that there's lots going on so um, I'm looking forward to that and I believe when you register you also then are entitled to the recording so if you can't you know spend a whole week at your computer um, yeah. then you can you can refer back to it but uh yeah some really great um carrie from seed to spoon who we're hoping that we're going to have on the show and uh yeah so lots of great tips um even about house plants so so yeah very nice so yeah wide range of interesting 
uh, useful topics to get us started and mm-hmm. inspired for the 2023 year, for sure, for sure. If you're also hitting that little bit of spring, we talked about seeds, um, but maybe one of the other things that we have started or started or in the fall, we uh, have some bulbs that we might be able to pull out now uh, that we've been forcing in our fridge or our cold mm. cellar, and we can start planting them up or groups of them up to start giving us some nice fall bulb color. I know I have some little white and purple crocuses and a little arrangement that I'm going to do with them. Uh, So they're almost ready. They usually take about 10 to 12 weeks in the freezer or the fridge, that little vernalization period, that nice cold snap that they need. Uh, And then they'll realize it's spring and start to activate. You can grow them in just a nice little bonsai container or just plant them right on the soil surface of a shallow dish or on the four inch pot, or you can plant them traditionally where they're three times their height down in the soil and just let them pop up. I like to do it uh, just on the top of a nice bonsai dish, nice and shallow. It's kind of more of a European way, I guess. Okay. They will decorate their bulbs so you can see the bulbs and they'll anchor into some good soil and give you a little bit of a, a show that way as well. So you can bring out any of your fall bulbs, start bringing them out and staging and decorating with them. One thing you could decorate them with as well is some of your early spring flowering branches, things like our pussy willow and our Mm -hmm. forsythia. If you have any of those, uh, any pussy willow or even just some willows, because they always will get the little fuzzy catkins um, or little fuzzy flowers or some catkins as well. And then some forsythia, they have all their buds for flower buds set last year for this year. So cutting them and bringing them into a nice little vase will activate their warmth. Uh, They'll activate with some warmth, sorry, draw up some water and those flowers can expand and give you a nice show in just a simple vase. So I have some uh, that's just kind of wild in a space near me. I always just kind of grab a couple sprigs. It doesn't have to be pretty and long and it just kind of like a dog would right after you cut it. It just grows a long single stem every okay. year. So you might find some side branches and a little lateral branching, but that tends to be mostly flower, flowers or a good a number of flowers. So you can get some interesting shapes and different uh, sizes as well okay. to add some interest to your arrangement. So do we have to wait till they start to form buds or will even if we cut them now, will they... Yeah, so much like lilacs, they've already set their oh, buds right. last year. Yes, right? they have. Right, so they're all sitting there dormant. So now that we've had mm. a good snap of cold, they've vernalized again. And okay. they're ready just to wait and warm up. So it's a nice to, to grab a little cut. I've got, uh, I grabbed, cut one a couple of days ago, and uh, they're swelling already. And showing oh. just a sliver, just the tiniest sliver of color to start to pop through, so. Okay, yeah. for what did you get? Forsythia? Sorry, forsythia. Willow? I grabbed okay. some, grabbed some forsythia. I did yeah. have some pussy willow last week, uh, but they were just kind of little young stems that oh, I grabbed. Okay. So they were a little small. Yeah. They're harder to find, yeah, in the wild. They, but they the, are the forsythia can be can be a little bit um or everybody has that neighbor, you know, who's got a big, <laughs> huge, massive you know, bush in their uh, in their yard and they might need some uh, like help pruning it. <laughs> so that's, that's, right. a great, that's a great thing to do. Absolutely. And, um, so what a great show. My gosh, Matt, February in the garden, there's a lot to do. 
there's still a lot to do, right? We haven't even gone on a deep dive of all that tropicals and hydro and aeroponics and all that kind of stuff that you could or couldn't be doing. So hopefully that'll keep you busy for this cold month if you're up here. Again, if you're further south, we're jealous. We're all itching for that nice spring weather to coax us outside and show us some green. So Mm -hmm. lucky you. <laughs> Definitely. And we have our stepping stone segment that was new. So if you're a new listener, you missed us last week in our first show of the of the season. Um, we of our ninth season. Woohoo! Uh, <laughs> we uh, are introducing a new segment called stepping stone segment um, and tips to take the next step in your gardening journey. But this episode was all full of tips. So uh, so yeah, so do we have anything that else we missed, Matt, that we want to leave our listeners with and I think we have a few more questions too yeah definitely we do have some more questions that we can we can jump into um for sure for our stepping stones but tips um you know what just enjoy the gardening there's lots more to do there's lots to experiment with you can be taking cuttings you can be planning your garden whether you're looking at growing seeds or you're looking to uh, plan your new um, garden your perennials or trees or shrubs definitely there's lots of things to do Joanne you were just sh- flashing me the new gardener is that the one oh the gardener yeah, yeah that's yeah so it's them. the gardener it was is this is their fall I bought it in the fall and I got buried in my office so I just oh you have it there too which one do you have so, yeah <laughs> I have the October fall 2022 um so the gardener magazine oh, for one. Canadian climates um so yeah so now's a good time magazines you know what everybody the magazines are having a hard time because you didn't get so much online now but to have the information that they give you that is curated and beautiful photographs and yeah. it's portable. You don't have to sit. You can sit in front of the fireplace in the winter and re- flip through the <laughs> magazine. You don't have to be at your computer. Um, so a shout out to our friends at all the different mag- gardening magazines. That This is The Gardener. We've had Garden Gate magazine on. Of course, there's Fine Gardening, which is a, a lovely magazine um, also. So um, am I missing another one? Um I no, I mean, I, I can think those of are the yeah. ones I like for sure. Garden Gate, always the Gardener magazine, great for Canadian climates. Uh, and then if you're looking for a little bit more reading, don't forget you can find all of our tips that we talked about today and then some for your upcoming growing season with our new book just released in last May, uh, Down the Garden Path, a step-by-step to guide to your Ontario garden. So a perfect gift for that loved one in your life. A couple more weeks and we have Valentine's Mm -hmm. Day. So maybe you want to show some appreciation for that gardener in your life. You can find it on amazon.com and or .ca. And if you're looking for an autographed copy, now's the time to do it. Uh, Reach out to us so that we can ship it to you. We'd be happy to sign and personalize a book to that special someone in your life as well. So definitely check out our lovely book filled with tips and tricks, uh, low maintenance gardening for every part of your garden, for sure. Mm-hmm. And we've got a shout out to William. He says he's a cross listener to us and the big show. And he says, Emma Big sells seeds too, um, as we mentioned. So yes, thank you, William, for, uh, for uh, supporting both of our shows. And um, Ray, he has says congratulations on nine years of broadcasting. Oh, we've learned so much. So thank you, Ray. I know you've been a, a long listener. 
um, as well. And Brenda just shared a beautiful picture um, of her orchids. She's in Hamilton, Ontario. And uh, that's a beautiful picture, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, beautiful phalaenopsis there. Nice whites and pinks and all multi-stems. Absolutely gorgeous, Brenda. Thank you for sharing. Most certainly. Uh, We also had a couple other listener questions. Uh, As I go back here after looking at Brenda's there, I think it was, was it Kelly? Yeah, Kelly asked, uh, hi, Joanne and Matt, is it advisable to add potting soil to my houseplants each year? Is the old soil bad for the plant? Yeah, you can see as the the potting soils are peat-based, they will slowly break down and release nutrients to the plant. So you might have to pot it up, depending on the plant species. If they've been in the same pot for a number of years, it might be time to transplant it up. If it is a larger plant or something that you don't want to move it up, you may just need to do some root pruning. Um, So removing some of the soil, pruning out some of the thicker, older roots and adding some new soil or something like worm castings into your peat mix or top dressing with some worm casting to add some nice slow release nutrients. And that root pruning will cause all those, uh, some of the bigger roots that you've left behind to break again into fibrous roots and just reinvigorate that uh, root zone as well. So great time to do it for pretty much everybody is in the spring as the days grow longer, they recognize the light is getting more plentiful and they begin active growth again. So yeah, Mm -hmm. if it has been pretty old, um, the bad soil isn't too bad for the plant. It just becomes less fertile and it tends to be more roots than soil. So you don't get to hold as much water. Mm -hmm. You might have to, if you've noticed Kelly, that your watering is suddenly increased and you're watering it every day now versus, you know, two years ago when it was like every three or four days, yeah, your roots have taken over and she's ready for a switch for Mm. sure. Yeah. 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 I have a jade that I'm thinking that, oh, actually it's right here. Um, Yeah. The soil is very hard and dry even after watering it. So yeah, it might need a little bit. um, um, And there's things you can add, right? Like you said, worm castings. Is there anything else we can add, Matt? Um, I was thinking of the bios that I know we had um, them on the show. Aaron from BIOS. Yeah. So adding the beneficial uh, bacteria back into the soil to keep things well structured, to increase mm-hmm. the organic matter and, and hold that moisture and feed that plant a little bit more organically for sure. Depending on your plant. Yeah. Things like worm castings. I know I always add just a really high quality compost into my potting mix. So I'll have some peat, but then I'll add, uh, you know, 25 or 40% of some compost in there. My plants seem to like it indoors. It just adds a little bit of weight to it. But again, it's some nutrient dense plant mm-hmm. material or nutrient dense uh, soil material adds a little bit of structure, helps with the moisture. The peat moss, if it's a peat based soil, it can become hydrophobic if we forget to water about it. So sometimes it doesn't absorb that water right away. Or again, it slowly breaks down and becomes just kind of dusty or, or right. not as, as beneficial nutritious. to the plant. Yeah. Anymore. Yeah. Nutritious is a good word mm-hmm. for it, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And even compost tea, that's something that um, if you're, you know, in an apartment and you don't want to make a big mess with uh, or, you know, regardless with the soil and the transplanting and stuff like that, um, there's something you can order called, um, it looks just like regular tea. You don't want to mix it up with the tea that we drink <laughs> yes. though, because it's kind of stinky, um, you, you know, and uh, a compost or manure tea that you basically just soak the tea bag in the water and then you can use that to water your plants um, with and gives 
some some nutrients as well, very organically. Yeah, I was going to say just a beautiful organic way of just adding, especially if you have something like your bios um, from Aaron from bios. Uh, I think it's just bios.com if I'm remembering correctly. So Aaron, uh, you can order that and add that to your soil. Uh, as well. I think Joanne's going to quickly look it up for for me. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, just feeding that organics, or if you've added a little more worm castings or compost to it, just feeding that microbial life to uh, help break down and release those nutrients. So yeah, um, Kelly, if you need to definitely take a look at just repotting or adding or top dressing those soil, especially if you can see some of the roots on the top of the soil as well. Did you find uh, Aaron? It's um, well, I found him on Instagram. So he is biosnutrients.ca. So B I O S nutrients.ca. Um, so that is his uh product there. Um, you can learn more about it on our show, but yes, definitely an organic um and natural fertilizer. So, um, so that's another thing to do. Yeah, you and, and I have used it, have we not? We have, used yeah. It, used it, yeah. 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 Yep. I have used it. Um, and it did help with my, I took cuttings of the wrong time of year, but I did take cuttings of my rubber tree plant. I need to take more because it's just gotten unruly. We can't find a place and a ho- room in the house for it anymore. Um, but that is something kind of near the end of February that you might want to be able to do with some of your house plants too, is propagate them. So you can start um, cutting them and uh putting them in water to root them and uh that's something else that can kind of give your little green thumb a a workout so there's lots to do in february tons and tons to do in february Mm. exactly so we hope that you uh enjoyed our february in the garden our launch back into our monthly uh foray into what you should be doing next month our low maintenance tips and tricks so at the end of march uh or at the end of February, we'll have March in the garden. But that brings us to the end of another great show. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everybody, for listening, whether you're listening live or you're listening into the podcast. Uh, you're listening to Down the Garden Path here on Reality Radio 101. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Have a great week, everybody. And we'll see you later. Bye. listening to Down the Garden Path with your host Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing right here on Reality Radio 101.